Welcome to Film Board. Action. The world of film entrepreneurs reimagined. This is the future of cinema. Build and elevate your production business as we take you behind the scenes with successful filmmakers and industry leaders. If you truly love cinema, then you can't help but make a good movie. Learn from inspiring stories. You just have to want it so desperately that you can go without food. Business strategies. Be aggressive. Don't be polite. Be the filmmaker you've always dreamed of. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do. This is Film Board. All right, welcome, Adrian, founder of Melanine Productions, specializing in visual storytelling. How are you doing today? I'm very well, man. Good to hear from you and speak to you across the pond. Yes, sir. So we love to learn more about your story and how you started Melanine Productions. So, um, yeah, when did you get into film production? Well, that's an evolution. I, uh, I started off as a, a runner at the BBC, uh, the Great British Broadcasting Corporation. I'm sure you've heard about it over there. Oh, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I've always loved story. I've always loved film. I, I grew up watching, you know, Star Wars was one of my biggest influences ever. That just changed my life. Right. As well as comic books. So I always had a kind of calling to, to do film and to, to make films, but I kind of moved away from that. I wanted to be an airline pilot when I was, wow. when I was in school, but then I realized that I didn't have the, the maths and the, the science, it wasn't my forte, and I was mm-hmm. more creative. So when I went to uh, college, I remembered that I loved that again and decided to pursue it. And uh, it was via college, actually, Hammersmith and West London College in West London, uh, that I, I, I fell in love with film again and, and actually creating stuff. And that was in about, that was like 1994, so a long time ago. <laughs> Were you majoring in film production in college? I, well, sort of. I was doing actually uh, media studies. Right. So it, I don't know how the system works. I know college in America is slightly different. For us, mm-hmm. so straight out what you'd call high school, I went to college. I didn't have the grades to go onto a higher course, so I kind of had to do a foundation course. Mm-hmm. And uh, started from there. So we done media productions along with A-level English and other stuff. But it was great because uh, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I know I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the process of like creating visuals. So that was my kind of like reintroduction to, to film. And, and mm-hmm. Melanine came many years later. But at that time, I was already on the path of going towards where I am today. Wow. So what steps did you take in order to achieved this vision of opening up a film production studio well that was a happy accident because what it was at that time when i was at the bbc i didn't know what i wanted to do in production and it was a different time than as you can imagine in the 90s Mm -hmm. Uh, there wasn't lots of opportunities for someone like me to get on the major uh, uh, productions like uh, tiger aspect and i've got a pile of rejection letters because i used to beg to be a runner (laughs) no one accepted me and it was very hard it was there was very few companies being right to know people it's who you know what not what you know mm-hmm. and uh i was i just started writing scripts because i was a runner at the bbc but at that time i was 23 years old and i thought i was so old as you do when you're right. in your early 20s you think there's no one older than you and if anyone older than that are really old uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and so through writing scripts i, I found writing which i always loved and i started writing scripts and uh basically all my friends knew that i wrote scripts 
and it was kind of this thing that when my friends sat around getting high or whatever it was, they kind of got these uh, delusions of grandeur that they had these stories that could be told. Except <laughs> they couldn't tell it because they weren't writers. And so they looked at me to tell the story. So this happened all the time. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to write your story for you. I used to say that to my friends. I said, if you really want me to write a story, then write the story and, and hook me in. And um, nobody, of course, did that until my friend Michael Che did it. Not only did he uh, have this light bulb moment for a story, but he actually wrote the first few lines. And he wrote it so well, I was like, you know, you're a writer yourself. This is brilliant. Maybe we should do it together. So what we started doing was writing this film together called Halftime Hustle, which never, ever got made. But uh -huh. that was our love at that time. And uh, while writing Halftime Hustle, Michael decided, it wasn't myself, Michael decided that we needed somewhere to protect ourselves from uh, people that would prey on us in terms of writing and taking our, our ideas. So right. he suggested that we open up a production company. Up until he said that, I never imagined, I'd never fathomed that I wanted to do it. I didn't know how to do it. And I wasn't interested in doing it. Uh -huh. But because of Michael, Melanine Productions was born. Wow, wow. So you started Mellow Nine production after writing uh, Halftime Hustle. Halftime Hustle, yeah, and, and then, some other stuff. And then Michael wanted to uh, protect that vision by starting yes. a film production company. Yes, and Michael had started some other companies. And uh, so he was that way inclined where I was more about, look, I'm just in a kind of a dungeon just writing. I wasn't interested and I didn't know how to do something like that. But he insisted on it and I went along with it. And it mm. changed my life. Uh, Michael's no longer part of Melanine Productions, but if it wasn't for Michael, there would be no Melanine Productions. Wow, and, uh, shout out to Michael. Shout out to Michael. He, he's my friend to this day. We went through a lot together running a company together because I don't know if you ever tried to run something with one of your friends, one of your, one of your Cur boys. Currently running one with a co-founder. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you're older now, but when, when I did it, we were naive and a lot of things went wrong. We had some great times, but ultimately he couldn't keep up to what it meant to because remember he just had this light bulb moment where i don't i'd been living this dream my whole life where he right. didn't, he came in kind of thinking that we're going to become you know like uh martin scorsese's uh, or spike lee's in the next few right. years and i knew that that was never going to be the case because it's a tough industry and it just doesn't happen and i was built for it and i understood the realities of it where he didn't he kind of had the kind of fantasy version of what that was and so you know everyone's got a role in where you are they're not they can help you get to the stage but not everybody's supposed to perform on the stage with you and certainly michael helped me get to the stage and before mellow nine we was called we wanted to be called nine ether productions <laughs> and we would have been nine ether productions except someone hasn't really taken the name so oh, we man. Like, oh, yeah it was like oh man what shall we be called now we we wanted the nine that was very important to us. We, that, num that number, we really wanted that number. And uh, we brainstormed and out of that came. What was Mellon the reason for the nine? Well, in our logo, it's got the baby in it. And uh, people up to this day, even last week, someone said to me, why is there a baby in the middle of your nine? And I love playing this game because some people get it straight away. Some people don't. And everyone asks, why the nine? And then I say to people, well, how long was you in the womb for? <laughs> 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 we're giving birth to product we're to, to stories we're birthing stories melanine's our baby so we wanted to give 
birth. And also, it took us nine months to write the first draft of our Yo, story. that is such an awesome story. <laughs> it's a true story, Ray. It's a true story. <laughs> oh, that is awesome, man. Anyways, um, this sounds like an interesting topic I want to go into, but oh, regarding, re- regarding Michael, like a lot of people go- that are going to watch this, you know, they may be considering getting a business partner. But before oh. getting that, like, what are some things you need to make sure in a business partner? Well, it depends. I mean, like I said, I did it wrong. I did it completely wrong because when you, me and Michael go back to like 13, 14 years old, by the time we formed Mellow Nine, we was like 25 years old. So we was like 10 years deep into our friendship. And he's one of my boys that I love him dearly. And so when you do something on that kind of uh, premise, then you don't think to uh, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And I never needed to. This is like, actually didn't go as deep as that, but you definitely need to. Well, I mean, we did a, a business, uh, uh, a partnership agreement, which we drew up and we had adhered to but it's just that working with your friend when they start to fail in terms of what they're able to bring to 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 our venture Mm -hmm. it's very hard to tell them they're failing because when you love someone how do you tell them that it's not working anymore without hurting them right and it became about that and this was many years in this obviously we had a great ride but you know, after a while when money wasn't coming in, real life. And his wife was r- quite rightly saying, where's the money? What's happening? Uh-huh. And uh, I couldn't fault her for that. But also, it's like then my friend had to serve two masters, one being his wife, of course. <laughs> and she's amazing. I love his wife. She's one of my dear friends. But the other master was Mela Nine, and you can't serve two masters and, and maintain uh uh, equilibrium with maintain a balance so it became unbalanced and because of that you know i had to carry him for three years i see and i see it was three years too long and in that time my relationship with the mother of my first two boys broke down not because of that but you know i'm sure that didn't help in terms of you know i was focused on my dream and trying mm-hmm. to create uh, uh, a company and it wasn't really about the company it was about because the company was just a house of our ideas. It was about me trying to fulfill my dreams and my vision and, you know, one day be in Hollywood and, and be right. making films that everyone saw and earning money, which ultimately was for the family. But mm-hmm. Michael couldn't keep up with that. And so for three years, I carried him. And when I say carried him, obviously not physically carried him, but his energy and just trying to, you know, bridge the, his gaps. Because we had other team members and they were all saying to me, what's going on, you know? Right. He's failing. And we weren't always paying these guys all the time. So I said to him, look, if we're not going to pay people, we need to work harder than them. Nobody mm-hmm. should come on board our ship and work harder than us because ultimately that leads, that leads to resentment every time. And, right. And we can't do it, but he just couldn't. So I carried him while I was failing as well. And then because I was carrying him, we had other people coming to the team trying to take advantage of his lack of absence uh-huh. and, 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 and his lack of input, I should say. And they weren't good for the company either because what they were doing was trying to manipulate us, manipulate me, take the company. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I wondered why they'd want to take the company because I didn't think we was worth anything. And this uh-huh. was so long ago. But it's, that's what happens when you're sick and when you're weak. Uh, hosts come on board and try and take advantage of the situation. So I ultimately... See. 
after taking advice from a good friend of mine, uh, I had to go to Michael and say to him, Michael, you're failing and, uh, and you're killing me in the process. And to be fair to Michael, that's why we're still great friends to this day. He said to me, I oh, know. <laughs> it's like he'd been waiting for me to relieve him. And he didn't have, he, like my friend, he said, men have egos and he's not going to come to you, you and say, I am failing, relieve me. You need to go to him and say, you are failing, I relieve right. you. That sounds like and a very actually, hard conversation. It was, but then once you have that conversation, you have that breath, that, that, uh, that sigh of relief and all the weight of the world was lifted off my, my shoulders. And uh-huh. just literally, Ray, for three years, this went on because for three years I didn't know how to find the words to tell him. And what I used to do is find all kinds of ways to kind of motivate him without him knowing <laughs> to right, try right. and get him up. But that was just, it was, it was awful. It was really bad and, and it made everything just real low vibrational. But as soon as he was able to, and he did, he stepped away, he done exactly what he said he was gonna do. We're great friends to this day. And, uh, and, and the company flourished because of that, in part because of that. But I'd say that, you know, if you're gonna go into partnership with your friends, just know that it's gonna be tough and you guys have, you, got, you have to treat it like a business. And it's hard to do that because you feel bad. Uh, but you know, you've got to budget, you've got to have those serious conversations. You've got to kind of ask, what are you bringing? What am I bringing? And we, and we got to kind of really interrogate each other so that we have the best for the company. And you have to right. put ego aside, you know? Definitely, so that's, definitely. That's my advice. Those, those are some great advice. And yeah, definitely haven't, that was a, that seems like a tough conversation with Michael. It was a very tough conversation and uh, but 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 one of the best conversations and he's a great guy because nine out of ten of my friends that wouldn't have gone well i and see i with see michael it did go and i always knew because he's built off that stuff he's a very sincere person and it wasn't his fault that he was failing i didn't appreciate that he rode my back but i understood and understanding Definitely. is something that we should always try and do whether you agree with someone or not try and understand try and put yourself in their shoes and hopefully he put himself in my shoes but even if he didn't that's not my business my business is to put myself in his shoes and try and deal with the situation and 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 we did and like i said he's one of my uh closest he's godfather to one of my children to this day he's amazing because he was honest enough to 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 let his ego go and and let me continue definitely i'm glad that it worked out so what shortly happened after that incident well after that incident my uh, uh my my business partner lexi stepped up to the plate he's my co-producer he owns one of nine productions with me he's 10 years younger than me but he's got the wisest head on his shoulders and he's been me been with me from the beginning because he came on board as my uh as my uh, kind of like apprentice. I mentored him, it's like my mentee, I mentored him. And then it was just a natural evolution that he stepped into Michael's shoes. And like, he has, he wears the best pair of shoes and he's been with me since that day. Well, since before that day to this day. And since then we just flourished and we really got going and and done what we Mm -hmm. needed to do in order to, 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 grow melanine you know from a baby into whatever it is now <laughs> i'm not definitely, sure definitely definitely what do you what would you attribute your success to to growing melanine productions tenacity right just tenacity there's no real magic secret formula i mean i don't even know if we are successful what is success how does one measure success i mean i'm nowhere near where i want to be uh but that's okay because i'm happy where i am and where i'm going 
So, I mean, just tenacity, keep going because it's tough. And year in, year out, even when you achieve big things, the, the, what happens straight away is like we get a big contract. We right. get scared. Like, how do you get the next big contract? It's like an actor if they get a big job. And you hear actors say, yeah, I've got this job, but you know, they didn't know what their next job will be. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to enjoy where I am, instead, where I currently am, as opposed to fearing about what may happen tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. But that took a long while because each year, since 2009, actually, incidentally, when we uh, incorporated Melanine Productions, we've just gone stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, we've, you know, our, our, our finances have been getting better. We've got better projects. Uh, we've been getting paid, you know, every That's single awesome. year. That's awesome. Yeah, and even awesome even with COVID, I mean, derailed us really bad, which it derailed the world. And I know what's going over. I've heard about what's going on over in the states, and I've got friends in New York that keep me informed as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's this year's been tough, but it's also been brilliant as well. And we've got to a point where we've started earning again, and the projects have been rolling in. But we had four months of nothing because. From March, when we got back from the mountains, where we were shooting up in the Lake District, we came back and everything just went haywire. And COVID kicked in and and kicked us right into ghoulies. And yeah, <laughs> four yeah, months. We're just recovering. Yeah. So, yeah. what did you guys? What changed during COVID as to your business model? Well, the business model didn't change. Although, what I did do is stop kind of uh, put in our Instagram posts I kind of did maybe one a day and then did nothing for a while mm-hmm. but that wasn't a bad thing because I was like well maybe I'm oversaturating it and maybe I'm not I don't know but COVID gave me that time and what also I did during COVID because I'd been so busy creating projects for other people and companies and getting paid well to do that I didn't have the time to write anymore mm-hmm. and you know, these things take you away from ultimately what you got into it for the first place for. Ultimately, right. Ray, I'm a script writer. That's what I pride myself on doing. I get paid to write scripts. I've, I was one of the writers of a, a script that was in UK cinemas in 2011. Uh-huh. And uh, that's my love. That's what I absolutely love doing. So COVID gave me the room to sit down with Final Draft again and start writing. And it's taken me to some really good places. And right now, it's a really exciting time in terms of what's going on in my life. Uh, what What are you currently writing? Uh, writing? Well, I'm currently writing. Well, to, I'm writing an, uh, a multitude of, uh, of projects. Up until week before last, I was writing a dance movie, which I got paid to do. Uh, which awesome. wasn't It wasn't my idea, but it's really cool little film, little short film. Well, 30-minute 30, 30 film. So uh, I just finished doing that after many drafts and many back and forth with the with the, the management team and producers who are great. They're a really good bunch of people. Uh, and then I also wrote something uh, with a very good director who direct, who's directing for Channel 4 at the moment and done something for ITV called uh, uh, Tosha Hilton. And Tosha and I wrote something called Aki and Sawfish. Now, I don't know if you're afraid with uh, Jamaican culture at all, but Aki is Jamaica's national dish. Uh-huh. And uh, so we wrote a film kind of about Aki and Sawfish, which was just amazing. And we're trying to, we're going to get that made. We're really going to push to get that made as well. And I then see. this whole Black Lives Matter movement kind of took on 
a life of its own. So I, I wrote something kind of to do with that and being a black male on my perspective on things. So I'm doing, I'm, on, I'm writing the first episode of something there as well. And then also for BFI, which is the British Film Institute, uh-huh. I'm on a program for black writers. So now I've got this showcase on the 16th and I kind of got thrown into it by my producer. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I'm here now. So I'm creating something, well, this project was created. I wrote it a few years ago, uh, a sci-fi called Connections. And so I'm having to dive deep into the Connections world and, and, and I'm being scrutinized and ripped apart and, and oh, wow. put under the microscope. Uh, Man, with, it, really could sounds be a like, it really sounds like with COVID, you got the time to start doing what you love again. I did. Why you started, you know, Mellow Nine Productions in the first place. Absolutely. It's funny can- how things take you back to source you know Mm -hmm. where can we you said you were writing a dance movie yeah so this dance movie is definitely going to get made because they got in in, in financiers but i think that's going to be getting made next year so often what is ray i write and then i'm not out the project but i kind of move on to something else Uh and i let the other people worry about that unless it's my own stuff and I, i did create a series of short films that we've just filmed one. They're really short films, like three minutes, and it's exploring the, rela- the relationship between time and technology, which is really interesting. And uh, we wrote one, I wrote it, called uh, Relations, Relations, such a tongue twister. I give such strange titles to my films. Relationship. And it's about, basically, it's really simple. It's about a relationship. We've all been there, right? The relationship that goes from the honeymoon period to the period where you break up right but we've done it we've done it in within three minutes and there's no dialogue and wow. we've we filmed that one the next one i'm doing in october is called phone play and it's about a couple who go to bed as you do with your phone in your hand swiping uh-huh. and they proceed to swipe their phones to a great orgasm orgasmic climax uh-huh. because and this came out of uh, me and my 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 partner not that this is true, but one day we were sitting on the sofa and I, I'm swiping my phone as you do. She's swiping her phone as she does, as we all do. And uh, I looked at her and I said, oh my gosh, I wish I was your phone. <laughs> your phone is getting such a good swiping. <laughs> and I said, I'm swiping my phone. So I wrote this script about the... the and I, I imagine we, we fill up our phones more than we fill up our partners. <laughs> oh man adrian (laughs) so look i'm seeing your instagram and it seems like there's a lot of production but what you specialize in from what you told me is script writing you have a huge passion for it and you know i'm kind of curious how come you never really produce any content around your script writing to market your business that's a really good question i think the truth the, the the true answer to that ray is that when I write scripts, I kind of do it as Adrian, as opposed to Melanine Productions. What, what, because I have a production company, I can split myself in two. So depending if you need a production company, you've got Melanine Productions. If you need a script writer, you've got Adrian Scott, who works for Melanine Productions. And if you want, I can produce your film after you've paid me to write your story. Right. So it's very weird that I actually put, I mean, what, I mean, I suppose a picture of me writing is not that interesting for me. I mean, I've done a few, but 
it's not ultimately going to get me writing jobs under Melanine Productions because I don't believe that one looks for a production company to write a film. I think one looks for individuals to write that film. Mm-hmm. So I do it as an individual. So maybe on my personal page and even then not too much on my personal page, but because of the nature of what I do in London, there's not a lot of people that do what I do at my level. So when right. I say my level, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I haven't been commissioned. I've never been commissioned. Mm-hmm. So I've never been commissioned by a TV station yet. That will change, but not yet. So if you wanted to get a writer like that, you can't get a writer like that because first of all, you can't afford them anyway because I can imagine they're getting paid a hell of a lot of money to produce mm-hmm. and write scripts. Whereas someone like me, uh, not gonna, I'm not going to charge you the earth. And, and although I'm amazing at what I do, I'm very good at it, I'm still not that level. So people know about me, so they always come to me as an individual as opposed to uh, going to Melanine. So I let oh, Melanine I deal with the, the visuals and if you want someone to write your script, then p- enough people in this in, in uh, this small industry know about me to come to me and seek my services to write them something. I see you're approaching it from an individual perspective. Absolutely. From a, from a client perspective, and say someone reaches out to Mellow Nine Productions and they want to get a film made, how do you ensure that your script writing vision matches their vision? Well, what I do, it depends on if they've hired me to write, uh, but sometimes they don't. They actually hire me to make their fully formed uh, visions. But I learned making Victim, which I was one of the writers of, uh, a really nice film. It starred uh, Letitia Wright, who's Black Panther. That was her first ever film. And there was a lot of other great actors in there, British actors, David Harewood, and uh, a lot of uh, really good actors. And... uh, I learned on that that as a writer, you have to let go because you don't have much control unless you are the director. Mm -hmm. So you can't get too married. You can't get too involved to get in bed with your scripts. You can at the point when it's a blank page and you're creating it. But after you hand it over, you've kind of got to let it go. Now, it's the same if a writer comes to me and uh, and they've asked us to kind of put their vision onto, onto... onto screen, onto film, right? I, we have to have that conversation because a lot of writers don't like that. But if you don't do that, your stuff will never get made or just make it yourself. Just be Tarantino and mm-hmm. write and direct yourself. And then that way you have more control. And if you are a genius like Tarantino, then you deserve that. But for someone like myself, who's not a genius, uh, I'm very good, but I'm not no Tarantino. I know that I know my place and I know what I can bring and I know what I can do, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do everything. And I know I can't do everything and things change all the time, you know? So it's it's about letting go and letting go of your ego, knowing that someone's going to either make your stuff better or fuck it right up. So, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there's not much you can do about that. So in terms of, you know, maintaining client vision, when is the right time to let go and when is the right time to step in and say and direct the film and say all right you're heading in the wrong direction this is where you should be heading that's a really good question because i'm having uh, a bit of that on the music video i'm doing at the moment uh whereas we've been paid to create a music video right but i don't know if this guy gets high and then rings me because then (laughs) then things change and i'm like well that's great but that wasn't in the original vision 
-hmm. and I'm directing this thing and uh, you're taking me on another path and I don't know if that's going to be conducive for what you're trying to achieve. Ultimately, it's your vision and I have to adhere to that, but you're putting me in a place where I might not be able to deliver. So it's about using your experience and having those honest conversations and you know i try to have these conversations before we commit to anything because it saves a lot of time and aggro and heartache on either side on both sides mm-hmm. uh, with a paying client you've got to really respect that they are a paying client and give them what they want but a lot of clients don't know what they want and the more you give them the more they want of what you give them but the more ideas they get based on what you give them <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it's like oh man maybe i should shut up because you know i'm i'm digging a hole for myself to to jump into uh so it's hard it's it's you've got to be sure of what you're able to bring and and be sure that they're sure of their vision and then also you've got to kind of uh keep them grounded in terms of what's achievable and if they do want something that's really like left field then they've got to pay for that because you know i can't facilitate your wild ideas and if you do want me to facilitate those kind of ideas then the budget will help (laughs) but a lot of people want they want my uh great big ideas for little budgets and that doesn't really work yeah that was a similar uh conversation i had with a previous filmmaker but uh you know maintaining client vision and keeping them grounded how do you maintain the balance of keeping them balanced but not make them feel like they're being restricted to the budget or their vision well i mean they have to be restricted to their budget because if your budget is 500 pounds but what you want is five thousand pounds i'm sorry but there's going to be some restrictions You know, you've got to be realistic, you know, and that's why I say we have those conversations at the beginning. You, know, you want to fly? Well, you know, get me get me a rig, you know, I'll make you fly, but you can't just expect me to perform uh, miracles. And, and so, you know, you really have to, you really do have to keep them grounded. You know, most of the time I find clients are happy for you to lead them. Uh, as long as you don't shut down their ideas and you have a proper conversation, it's not as blatantly rude as no, no, no. You really right. got to have a conversation and, and make them, because most people are reasonable once you baby step them through the process. I see, and, I see. And, and also make them feel that they're involved. And they mm-hmm. are involved with me. I mean, when I work with clients, when Melanine works with clients, we have a conversation and it is a real uh, exchange of ideas and 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 we're so happy to do that and we take on board what they say they take on board what we say and we meet in the middle and you know sometimes what they say is better than what we say you know we're not trying to say we know more than you but we know what's achievable and we know what we have a good idea of what works for your brand as well most of the clients we work with don't know what's quite good for their brand they're finding it and i understand because we find what's good for our brand by doing it we don't always know mm-hmm. so you know we're quite uh, adept at being able to do that for our clients i see i see maintaining that healthy relationship right from the beginning where you take both ideas on and in a healthy way exactly trust it's about trust isn't it because once you do that they trust you we've had a lot of clients come back again because they do trust our vision they like that we uh bring our our ideas and they know that we're always going to listen to them and even if there's something not quite right we feel it's not right we're not just going to say it's not right we're going to 
put our thoughts as to why we think it's not right. And it may right. be that we're wrong, but the good thing is we're willing to have an open dialogue so that they feel involved. We feel that we can bring something and we feel that we can uh, create something that they will uh, be proud of and come back again because that's what we want ultimately. Got it, got it. So another common problem that filmmakers often have is endless revisions. Have you had oh, any gosh. experience oh, in that? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, right. <laughs> but <laughs> I used to really suffer with that because uh, how do you tell someone no? But And like I said, I was really naive, wet behind the ears, uh, running a production company. Mm-hmm. And we went through endless revisions like so many times. And it became a problem, as it does for all production companies, because at some point, you're gonna, you, you've got to stop. Because if not, you can actually end up with a, a terrible product because the client doesn't know when to stop. There's revision after revision after revision. And what we do now to combat it, and we've done this successfully for the last few years, is we sit down, and once again, it's that pre-conversation, we call it pre-production. We sit down with you, we talk about your vision, and then we say, look, based on what you've said to us, we have a good understanding of what you want. This is what we're proposing we're gonna do. We believe we'll get it within three edits. We're, we're so happy to do revisions, do not get me wrong. And most of the times we'll do as much revisions as you reasonably want. And most mm. people are reasonable about that. But if it's gonna be a revision based on this uh, bolt of lightning that struck you in the middle of the night, then you need to pay for that because if we've agreed on something and then you've dis- if we've agreed on something on on friday and then we've started the job and we've done it and then by wednesday you've said actually you know i've just come up with this idea and how about this and let's change that mm-hmm. no problem but now you have to pay for it because that's our time and you agreed that you was happy with the vision that was outlaid to you and we've been uh, implementing that uh process for the last <sighs> five years and and we don't have that problem anymore so it's really about talking with them beforehand and you know saying look based on what you said this is what we can achieve but if your revision is based off of a you know quick thought then you're gonna have to pay us for that so just setting those boundaries in the beginning solved all that endless revision problems for you it did, although I do fear that on this music video I'm currently doing, because I had a, ch- a chat with my editor last night, and I think I think it's going to be a, a revision edit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to watch out for that, because, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can see it. You know, you, you, when you've done this for so long, you can kind of see the pitfalls that are coming up in the, on, over the horizon, and so we, we, we take great steps in navigating those. <laughs> Those, you're those, you're those. preparing for the battle. <laughs> you got to because you know you don't want to be caught unaware without a a a a, a, a sharp sword. <laughs> right, right, right. Just in case you need to use it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Cut this project away by the coattails. Definitely, Adrian. We're nearing the end of the podcast, but I know is that there, flew. Is there anything else you know you'd like to say or give advice to aspiring filmmakers? Hard to inspiring filmmakers. We're living in a really, at the moment, a time where the arts and people with creative uh, energy are being curtailed. Uh, so it's tough for everyone, but for filmmakers, it's easy for you now. All you have to do is pick up your phone and just tell a story and don't overthink it. Don't think, what if people don't like it? Not, what if nobody sees it? 
you know, you've got to follow that great line from that great movie, Feel the Dreams, and just build it. If you build it, they will come. Build it, they shall come. And you just got to keep building it and keep going because, you know, especially younger filmmakers that, like myself, you've got great stories and, and don't be afraid to tell it. Don't be afraid to be brilliant, you know. Uh, check us out at Mellow Nine Productions. We're on Instagram at Mellow Nine Productions. And we, 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 we work with, with anyone that's got a great idea. We will never turn anyone away. And uh, we're open and we have to all help each other because it's such a small industry, you know, whether it's here or the States. There's people that's worked with each other. I know people that's in the States now, actors. I've worked with people that worked with Al Pacino because it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon, isn't it? So, you know, everyone's kind of, it's a small industry. So just be, be good to people and just, just do your best and keep going because, you know, Rome weren't built in a day. It, it, it doesn't happen overnight. I see, I see. Definitely. Thank you again for your stories. Again, Adrian from Mellow Nine Productions. You can Thank find you. him on Instagram on Mellow Nine Productions. Thank you again and have a great day, Adrian. You too, Ray. Take care, man. Be safe.